Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You've come this far, and you know what's out there. Welcome to Dragon Cast. You're not going to scare us. Scared him. Whilst we're waiting for House of the Dragon Season 2, Jamie East and Chris Mandel dive into some acclaimed series just right for a bit of analysis. In this episode, we'll be looking at HBO and Sky Atlantic's critically acclaimed and hugely popular adaptation of the game series, The Last of Us. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to what we are renaming Last Cast for, for this episode. At uh, least, uh, I'm Jamie East and... And I'm Chris Mandel, just taking my hat off because I'm a bit warm. I've committed now, I've committed. Mm. Um, and th- this episode, obviously you're used to us talking about the House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones or mm-hmm. even the OA, but we wanted to talk about this because it is arguably, um, even though it is only what, mid to end of January arguably the tv one of the tv events of the year um it came out last monday the 16th uh episode two of the last of us aired uh 2 a.m the uk time today um and we just wanted to talk about it a because um it's a big event television second because it has some well not just not just trivial connections to game of thrones and b because uh really fucking liked it uh chris and yeah. i went to a special uh screening of it when was that that was two weeks ago it was yeah two weeks ago yeah two weeks ago at the, the yeah. bfi imax um and it was a good old good old sky atlantic hbo launch there were actors there there were props there were all sorts going on goodie bags have you wear your last of us beanie Did you get i do last wear of my beanie? last of us beanie uh it's very nice very comfy i like it a lot mine got snaffled up by the kids straight away that'll happen i do have a last of us tin mug as well um, quite good that would be good that mug for just hitting a zombie in the face if you had to I yeah think, as well in keeping with so, the show bit of background uh, and later on we will be hearing from craig mazin who's the uh, creator showrunner and director of the last of us um 
but a bit of background first to those that that, that haven't really kind of caught up with it yet. Um, to put it bluntly, it's a it's, it's a pretty straightforward game adaptation uh, of a game by the same name, which came out I think in two thousand thirteen. I want to say, um, which kind of rewrote, tore up the the rule books in in terms of how good a video game can be. And put it this way, even I, as like an, a, someone over the age of 25 and who is absolutely shit at video games, could play it and enjoy it. Um, it's, a, it's Narratively, it tells the story of two characters, Joe and Ellie, uh, in a post-apocalyptic uh, world uh, whereby there's been a mass event uh, of which we learn about in a bit, which we'll discuss. And it's a, basically a road movie um, with with Joel, the older guy, taking Ellie across the United States of America to in order to achieve a thing. That, in a nutshell, is is the narrative of the of the of the show. Chris, did you have any background knowledge? Any did you come to this forearmed? Um, I came in fairly. Uh, unaware, unaware of it really. I knew, I knew about the game. I knew the game was massive. I knew that it was about a sort of virus that destroyed civilization, and I knew there were zombie sort of creatures in it. And yeah, I had a rough idea. Um, I, I thought it was a great. We, we, we're going to just talk about episode one, uh, which is the mm-hmm. only one we've both seen. But I really loved the first episode. I mean, I thought it was really intense there's a sort of start where we see life before the outbreak or the day of the outbreak i suppose yeah um and it's yeah it's it's really sort of this the kind of scale of it is quite small and you've got this uh, it's joel's birthday and then he's got like just all kinds of domestic things to deal with and then this massive event happens um and people start getting really ill and you know, panic and unrest kind of blows up. Um, and Joel, his, his daughter is shot, right, by uh, uh, an yeah. officer who's kind of mm-hmm. a little trigger happy. That was my understanding is that it kind of... Yeah, he'd, well, I think he'd been instructed to just start exterminating suspicious humans yeah. that, that may or may not be infected. And we skip... 20 years ahead, Joel's now kind of working. It's, society has completely changed, hasn't it? It's like the yeah. borders. He's, he's, the he's a dealer. Around. He's having yeah. to kind of like just doing menial tasks. For and he's ration burning tickets. bodies of infected people. We see yeah. uh, these this kid like wander into, is it Chicago he is in or Boston? Boston. Boston. <clears throat> they see this kid like wander in and because they don't know if the kid is ill or not, they just like, kill him it's just really brutal it's like a really savage uncompromising yeah. kind of world and i think that it's a really interesting idea um ellie uh is the name of the girl played by bella ramsey Bella ramsey who was in game of thrones she is kind of this slightly like aggressive like spunky like won't take any shit sort of kid and he's going to escort her across the US to another yeah. safe zone where they've got the because there's something special about her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do we um, we we know what that is at this point? Do we talk about this or not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we, we, 
we're assuming that you've watched The Last of Us episode one. Yeah. Otherwise, why, yeah, bo- yeah. why bother listening? Why so bother? we find out that she, she is seemingly immune to infection. She's, yeah, she she's got a scar on her arm um, that, that is healed. Um, so, and she, you know, I think there's, there's, there's good kind of exposition where there's like posters on the walls of places saying that if you get bitten in the neck or the head, you've got, you've got five minutes or something like that. If you get bitten on the arm or the torso, you've got five hours or if it's on the leg, you've got five days or so, or something like that. Um, and the infected people tend to turn into these sort of, um, crazed, I don't know if they're using the term zombies They probably aren't, but these infected, like they bite other people and it's all kind of a bit rabid and well there's a good prologue with john hannah right at the beginning um which talked about it whereas you know it's not covidy style thing and he 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 explains that it's a fungus it's a fungal infection not like uh not like your old yeast infections but it's it's like whereby these fungal neural take over your neural uh kind of senses and you become a host for um these these this fungal thing and not only that but actually which is slightly more avatar-y uh all the beings are connected via this kind of neural fungi network which is i think it happens in real life as well so yeah. they're all, yeah. they're all. There's this weird kind of like tele- telepathy style connection yeah. between them as well. And, they can and there are there the are various degrees of, you know, there are there are like there's the the, the zombies, the, the, the I guess the the human form where who've got bitten and now infected and are, who are kind yeah. of like just charging around eating other humans. But then as the series moves on, we see three, maybe four, kind of different versions of infected things right okay so these are these are like level one right yeah there's the the parallels this sort of way that they impede brain um function is really interesting because there are animals there are like insects that do this that can get into Mm. i think on the prologue there's an ant or something or a spider where there's like it the 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 lava or the whatever burrows into the skin hatches eggs and then the babies can sort of control they they get into the brain and they cause the spider to spin webs or the ant to do whatever it is based in in some kind of like science but it's terrifying and yeah really terrifying it's yeah i think um, there's ones where you go wow that's really imaginative that can't be right could that happen could that actually happen um Go and scare myself on Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't watch a lot of these kinds of shows. Like I didn't do Walking Dead. Uh, I, don't, I haven't played the game. Um, so it's not normally a genre that I'm like really engaged with. I thought it was really good. The first episode, a lot of potential. I've just heard so many good things about where it goes that I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like it might not be a cut and paste, like horror, let's just shoot zombies no, I think, every episode. Well, The Walking Dead, you know, the first season of The Walking Dead is fantastic, and then the the the, the, the ongoing. I think it was a law of diminishing returns for the next sixty seasons or however long it bloody went on for, because ultimately it was a pure out and out zombie story where mm. it was group of humans trying to escape zombies. That's that's the story. Whereas I think what The Last of Us did so well as a video game, and now as a TV series was the it could have been it didn't have to be 
zombies. It could have been anything. It could have been mm. COVID. It could have been political warfare. It could have been some awful kind of dictatorship. It could have been a new, the threat is yeah. largely irrelevant. It's very cinematic and very scary right, and terrific right. for gameplay. But actually what the story is about, and as Craig goes on to talk about in a bit, is that it's 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 a story about humans, it's a story about love, it's about companionship, yeah. it's about connection. Um and ultimately that's what that's what we see here. Now the, the what the the I think the first the first episode of it is quite it's quite deceptive. Because what you do get is is a is a very exciting and thrilling and fantastic to watch kind of like origin story, which is which has elements of World War Z, mm. um, The Walking Dead, you know, numerous kind of like disaster, um, you know, outbreak, all of these kind of things that we're that we're pretty well versed and and, and well attuned for. But it was done brilliantly, and and, and but having and having binged through uh, the vast majority of the season already, um, nothing prepares you for where it takes you. That's um, really interesting. That's really interesting. Because, because it just, you know, I'm certainly not going to give any spoilers away. I think, you know, the episode that just aired today, I think people will have seen, for instance, will have seen more about the threat of the clickers and the different types of zombies and also right, right. a bit more about the world that they're in and the relationship between um, Ellie and Joel. Yeah. Um, but for me, and this is a teaser ahead to next week for viewers, is episode three um, is just one of the most extraordinary pieces of television I've ever watched. It is, it caught wow. me so off guard Um that I was just, I was absolutely speechless throughout the whole episode. It is just, and I don't want to give, I'm not going to give anything away. Um, it's amazing what, to hear such a strong response because it sounds yeah. like. I think they've just aren't. been really brave with what they've done. They've, there are capsule episodes. There are kind of like, you yeah. know, there are flash forwards, there are flashbacks, there are, you know. Oh, really? There's flash forwards yeah. as well. Uh, oh, hang on a second. No, maybe not flash forwards. Hold on. No, but there's, there's certainly <laughs> flashbacks. Um, there are episodes that seemingly have nothing to do with what, what you've been watching. Right. Um, but the performances are just great. The casting is just on point. You know, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey just great just so fucking good yeah yeah um and we see nick offerman we see murray bartlett yeah i didn't Mel know those guys were in it until yeah we saw a little bit of footage for the rest of the season after we watched episode yeah. one um melanie Linsk is in it who really is yeah who's risen to fame in yellow jackets a great shout like, brilliant casting uh mm. rutina wesley now, you, you probably don't know who Rutina Wesley is, but she was in, and I've not seen her in anything for years, but she appears, I think, in episode four or five, and she was in uh, True Blood. She played oh, like yeah. one of the main characters in True Blood, which I've not seen for like, which I've not seen, no one ever talks about True Blood anymore. No. That was yeah. huge. That was it's absolutely massive. massive. Um, and she's in it as well, which was just an inspired bit of casting. Um, but there are, yeah, I mean... I'm up to episode seven or eight now. And I'm going to say that there are at least like four of those episodes should be all nominated for Emmys and Golden. Wow. Because they are just fucking great. Just so does it, does it expand a lot from the game? Is there stuff no, here that you didn't it's pretty, have? 
I think they they the they lean into. So I think as Craig explains, because one of my questions was, how do you how do you stop yourself from just doing the game like scene by scene? Um, and interestingly, I think see what episode two does really well is certainly for my kids who've played the games a lot more than I have there are moments in it where like for instance there's buildings that they walk into where my kids were just like oh my god (coughs) (coughs) sorry it might be cough where they were just like oh 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 my god it's that building it's that building and it stayed so true to the the way the, the aesthetic of the game yeah and the way that the lights the way that the lighting hits the way that the water looks everything about it like really blew my kids minds because it was wow. just like this is like really weird because the game is real um mm. but in terms of narrative i think they hit all of the main they hit all of the main points yeah, really really yeah. well but and but shown a real a real dexterity in terms of which bits they lean into from it because it's not mm. all about the battles it's not all about the big boss fights it's about the relationships and, and yeah. the key yeah. the key moments in there it's very difficult to to talk about without people having seen for instance episode three or i think episode six i think that's where a lot of the zombie or the undead or the infected kind of storylines generally don't appeal to me is that they're not very compelling um antagonists Right. Well, they're just a bit. Once you've established so, the threat, yeah, it's all just jump scares. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I it's, think it's, it's interesting if it's the show is not. It's obviously about this in some way, but it's also threading something quite different. Um, well, what th- it does well is through it, that it, is 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 that the zombies slash monsters are only a, like a third of the threat. To, to, you know, if you take Joel and Ellie as being the good guys, as being like the viewer and they're taking us on their journey, you've got, yes, you've got a threat from like the, the infected and all of the, the kind of permutations of that. Then mm. you've got um, basically Fedra, who are the, the, this formed kind of governmental kind of power that oversee society, certainly in America, who seem to be quite, um, not very nice and heavy handed and pretty grim. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got vigilantes and, and kind of like human sub, you know, human groups that have gone off who, who are kind of like just wild, who are can it into cannibalism, into kind of like, you know, just, just looting and pillaging and all the, all mm. the rest of it. Survivalists really who, mm. so there are all these kind of threats coming at them from all these different angles. And I think that's what, that's what allows it to breathe a little more is that it's not always, you know, in fact, there are some episodes where you're just like, Oh shit, I completely forgot that there are zombies in this. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like a bit like a wild west, uh, <laughs> sort of genre yeah. in a way. Like it's like the lawless society, like, mm. You know, if it also makes me think of like Mad Max, you know, like just that sort of idea yeah. of like everything's kind of got span way out of control. It's every man for themselves. Like, yeah, um, I'm really excited. I, I'm going to watch two episode two today uh, oh, cool. and I'm going to try and do one a week. But I think, yeah, I'm really, really excited to hear um, hear more from your interview and just get a sense of what's going on and i'm just think you know what, what i'm really intrigued about the last of us is that they've sort of said already you know it's probably going to be two seasons because it covers the this covers the first game and yeah season two covers the second game and i think you know well, i think yeah he does he talks about in the interview i think it's going to be three. Oh, interesting because because the last of us part two the game is pretty 
huge, Big. like mental. Yeah. You know, and I think that I think they'd struggle to get that into one season. I think um, it's also just really refreshing to hear someone go, this is what it is. It's going to be three seasons and that's it. We have a finite amount of story because yeah, yeah, we're just not in that era anymore of like, hopefully it'll go on forever or let's try and do eight years of it. You know, I also think the, it's been such a successfully, I should say, I think it's been such a well-received successful video game adaptation that I think HBO will do a lot more of this going forward they go okay we can do this now what else can we do and that's a huge audience that haven't been served very well historically Mm. that could now see some of their favorite works being adapted for small screens so yeah i think it's very exciting and watching it it could only have been hbo that did it Mm. you know you watch it and just think i can't see netflix having done this it wouldn't have looked the same they wouldn't have cast it the same um it would have been skewed a lot more towards the gamers. Um, yeah. yeah. And the same for any other channel. I couldn't see any other channel apart from HBO doing it, which is great. Um, I also would really say, um, you know, there was an, a movie of Uncharted. Uh, oh, with Tom Holland. Yeah, with Tom yeah. Holland. Absolutely, like, trashed. That feels like, in hindsight, that should have been a TV series. That would be a really mm. smart two-series, small-screen, big-budget you know, it may well happen, but you know, that, that is, again, 10 years ago, The Last of Us, they'd have tried to make a film out of it and it would have been probably quite bad. The thing is, and, and we talk about this with Craig, is that all of those, the thing about Uncharted and Tomb Raider and Sonic and all these kind of adaptations yeah, yeah. that have already, there's no story there, really. No. There's like a, there's a bit of like a, maybe a, a character Bible about Lara Croft or, yeah. or about, yeah. about drake or whatever but there's no story there in the same way that in the in the way that the last of us has this incredible like relationship building like just a, a story that that people who played it cried over and and you know yeah, kind of yeah, like you know yeah. had you know, didn't want any spoilers and i think the only one that maybe the one that's out there that that is right for is god of war um yeah yeah. Which is another kind of like game's very, very similar in terms of like its epic nature. But listen, um, we'll play the interview now. Uh, this is, I, I interviewed Craig Mazin, I think two or three hours after uh, episode one had aired. Um, wow. So he was pretty, he was pretty stoked. It was, uh, it was and, and as I said in the intro, he must have been at that, at that moment in time of our interview, the hottest man in television, bar none. Like, yeah untouchable on top of the yeah. on top of the world uh and uh and he was in fine fettle so have a listen to this and uh i hope you enjoyed it let us know what you think as well because yeah really intrigued into as to what your thoughts are on the last of us because we are looking for other stuff to talk about the oa isn't gonna last forever and blah 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 we want to know what kind of stuff you're into um mm-hmm. so have a listen get in touch at dragoncast underscore pod or leave a comment on the youtube channel um and uh and yeah excited to hear what you think Uh, Chris, bit of pleasure. Don't let the clickers get you. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) If you don't think there's hope for the world, why bother going on? You haven't seen the world. And you'll hear from Craig after a word from our sponsors. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Craig, the hottest man in TV... As as we speak uh, on this day, uh, you mean hot, like attractive, right? Really good looking, <laughs> babes. I mean hot in every way. Uh, congratulations, first of all, what a triumph! You must be relieved, uh, excited, just you know, just I mean, goodness me, how are you feeling? Relieved is is the perfect word. I mean, it's it's you forget sometimes over the course of the in this case almost three years that you spent working on something and and not three casual years, but three years with a lot of, you know, 12, 13, 14 hour days, you forget that at some point it belongs to everybody else. And then you find out. Um, And I am a, I'm an anxious person by nature. And so uh, the best feeling I get typically is relief and seeing how well the show has been received Obviously, the, the critics were great, but it's it's the people out there, it's the fans. Yeah, that you fans, both old and new, uh, people that are coming to the last of us for the first time. I'm just as interested in making sure that they're happy. And so far, it's just been overwhelmingly positive, and and that's such a great feeling for me, for Neil, for Pedro, for Bella, and for honestly everybody that worked on the show. I don't know how you've done it. Like right from the announcement, first of all, as soon as your name was attached, everyone breathed a sigh of relief because we knew we were going to get something quality, that it was going to be well thought out. It wasn't going to be a rush job. You were going to do it with care and attention, you know, from, from your previous work and, and, and whatnot. But every step from the casting, from the, 
the, the kind of set shots that we saw early on, the teases that we've had. You've not put a step wrong. If you could have taken fans like three, four years ago and go, okay, like tell us what your ideal version of The Last of Us is going to be on TV screen. They would have literally said this. And I don't believe for a second that you've gone and just paid fan service 100% because that would be crazy. Therein is the route to madness. But you, like you said, you, you've, you've pleased all of the, the, the hardcore gamers. You have also intrigued people that haven't played the game. And also brought in a whole new generation of fans that just like really cool TV. How, how have you managed to tread that line so well? To start with, I am a fan. I've always been a fan. So there were a lot of times where I would sit with Neil and we would talk about, you know, okay, the process of adaptation is, 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 can be either an elevating one or a corrosive one. And in our path towards what we hoped would be elevated, a lot of times I would say things like, look, I, feel like I need to see this in the show because if I didn't, then it would hurt me, you know, as a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, you use the word meticulous. I think we just, that's part of my ethos as somebody that makes television shows, there is no detail too small. And I know that is certainly the same with Neil. I, I remember looking at some early imagery that he was showing me, um from the game and there would be these like it's just from their development process like a still frame of uh, a puddle in mud and he's written 12 notes on how the puddle should be better and i'm like oh wow okay i have i have a brother (laughs) because that's the way i am about everything like that um and we applied that as well to the way we released information or imagery to the public i mean one of the things i know as a fan and as somebody who plays video games and has always played video games my whole life that when it comes to fandom and something that you are deeply connected to the way people are with the last of us everyone is afraid and i don't blame them i'm afraid too when i see something that i love being adapted i have that fear response so part of what you know i would say to neil is let's be really careful and titrate that's the word i use let us titrate the information that we share when we start, like very deliberately, we said, but the first thing we want to put out is an image of Joel and Ellie, but from behind, yeah. I don't want to see their faces yet. Let's see the hair. Let's see the backpacks. Let's see their posture. Yeah. Let people slowly acclimate because change is really difficult when you're so wedded to something that you love. Otherwise you get, you get Sonic the Hedgehog's teeth. Yeah. I mean, there can be that moment of jarring. Oh no. And obviously in the case of Sonic's teeth, they, uh, they went back and fixed it and fixed it beautifully. Yeah. We were trying to avoid the, that moment. Um, but I, I understand all of that fear and concern. I mean, you know, we, we have families. If you came home to your family and everybody looked sort of different, it would be terribly jarring. (laughs) So you just gotta, ease everybody in as you go and as people would read things of course people you know would complain as is their god-given right as fans uh, whether they complain because bella doesn't look enough like ellie in the game or joel's beard doesn't fully grow and it i got it i was like i i hear you i feel you i'm one of you i get it but what i know is once you start watching the great majority of you are going to fall in love with her because she is an incredible Ellie Mm -hmm. and you're going to fall in love with Pedro because he's an incredible Joel 
and things like the beard and the different face and all these things that will disappear. Yeah. And what you'll be like is the drama and the, and the beauty of their performances. I kind of feel that any uh, red-blooded man complaining about Pedro Pascal's beard, there's something not quite right with them. I think, you know, <laughs> I think you'd be, you'd be, it's a lonely argument you're, you're, you're trying to fight there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's just straight up jealousy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've got, I've got a great beard. You've got a great beard. Uh, but uh, I, tr- I trade for his one. any day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we don't inspire the same reaction that he does. We do not. We do not. Um, <laughs> speaking of speaking of Pedro and, and and Bella, is there like an HBO? We've already done the due diligence on these guys. They're already here. Did it work like that? Did they just happen to both be from Game of Thrones land? They happen to both be from Game of Thrones land. One of the you know more amusing conspiracy theories I read was that oh they gave the parts. To, Joe, to Pedro and Bella because they already are at HBO and HBO paid them a rent. I was like, that's not how any of this works. Can you imagine if all. that works? Yeah, you've got yeah, Lena Headey's yeah. just sat around waiting for season two of The Last of Us goes because her Cersei um, contract's still running. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, that's not how it works uh, at all. In fact, you know, I remember when we were doing Chernobyl, we had to like work really hard to not cast too many people from Game of Thrones because we were shooting in Europe and mostly our actors were mostly UK. Yeah. And so many of them just because Game of Thrones employed basically every actor in the United Kingdom. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we had a few overlaps, not too many. Um for this, like Ellie is a, is an easy one. We we auditioned over a hundred girls and um and Bella was one of the auditions we got. We didn't solicit it any more than we solicited any of them. She put herself on tape in her bedroom. I remember when I saw it, the first thing I saw was like, oh, it's Lady Mormont. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really know her name. I just knew, I just yeah. loved Lady Mormont. Oh, God, yeah. But I was kind of amused, like, oh, Lady Mormont's here. And then I watched her audition and I was like, oh, we got her. And Amazing. <laughs> but no, it has nothing. No, it's, it's all coincidence. My kids, my kids sat and watched it and they, they several times through, I think more episode two than episode one, kind of yelped when you know the buildings and the locations and the look and feel of like the museum the bostonian museum all of those kind of they kind of gasped in delight because they were so true to like their vision now you obviously worked very closely with the guys behind it you know i would imagine you know there's a lot of green green or blue screen going on and all the rest of it but something that kind of occurred to me is like you already have the schematics for all this universe there in code somewhere how easy was it was it tempting or even possible just to go actually can we just grab the code stick it into whatever program you use for hbo make it look slightly more realistic and it's all good to go right wouldn't that be nice imagine imagine <laughs> so- um, you, certainly, um, Neil Druckmann and I spent a lot of time talking <laughs> about how to port the aesthetic of the world that the game presents to television. One of the main differences between the way uh, it's done in video games versus the way we do it in television is in video games, the the machinery of the game has to feed you graphics as you turn and look or as you move. It fills the world in around you. Um, because of that, it's only capable of delivering a certain resolution. Um, yeah. Simply because it doesn't know where you're going to look at any given point, and it's not possible. The game would be uh, forty, you know, CDs to shove into your machine if you wanted to make everything photorealistic everywhere, whether people were looking at it or not. For us, we choose what you look at. Yeah. Therefore, 
we can put way more resolution and effort into individual shots. And it's all the more important because those shots are being um, juxtaposed against real people uh, and real places. As much as we could, we tried to create real practical environments for our actors to be in and interact with. And then above a certain height, then maybe we fill in <laughs> digitally. But we know it was, we couldn't port anything over like that. It, all we could do, but it was a big deal, was to take as much inspiration from it as we could. Yeah. I think the lighting especially is, is something that, that really has has that the game it quality rather as, as well as like a filmic quality but you know you kind of half expect like the the role of the role of tape and scissors to be kind of like highlighted somewhere on a book shape on a bookcase have we got a scene at some point with with uh with someone collecting some tape and scissors from from a drawer we, we talk about these we talk about everything and you know the thing about fan service is i because i'm a fan my feeling is the best fan service is when the people who are adapting the material understand what matters to you most. Yeah. Bring that through because it's meaningful. Then there's other fan service that's sort of like, okay, hey, I found a roll of tape and some scissors where people who play the game will be like, oh, they, they did the, the tape and the scissors, but it's going to take everybody else out of the game. And even I think the fans would be like, oh, they kind of just stopped to give me a thing that I thought I needed, but I really don't. So, Actually, part of the philosophy is figuring out what do we think fans will go, oh, my God, they did the thing. And I'm so glad they did the thing because it mattered. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of where we kind of aimed our lasers. And there's already kind of theories, you know, the uh, the Easter egg and breadcrumb uh, crew are out in force. And you've been hinting, yeah. at, you've been hinting at a few on, on the official Last of Us podcast. How can you be, how can you be such a good like filmmaker and a great podcaster as well? It drives me, it drives me crazy. I love screen notes. It's fantastic. Well, um, thank you. I, I guess I have a lot of practice. I mean, I've been doing, doing a long doing time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the screenwriting podcast with um, my podcast partner, John August for, over 10 years, I know we're wow. up to episode 580 something or 90. I don't know. We're almost at 600 episodes. Which Fantastic. Is um, you'd think that two people just wouldn't, would run out of things to talk about, but not us. Not us. <laughs> no. um, and, but the, 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 the theorists are already out in force and you're hinting at one. The, the big one I'm sure you're aware of is the flower theory. Mm, uh, interesting with joel refusing or saying he's on the atkins diet they didn't have any of the pancake mix all of that kind of stuff do you enjoy i'm not asking you to kind of confirm or deny but do you sure. do you kind of sit there and kind of have a, have a little right chuckle to yourself it's like oh this would be great we'll throw we'll throw a few of these in it's funny i actually it's the opposite sometimes i think what am i doing you know <laughs> like i don't want to just the, the worst feeling would be to just carefully put this thing into place and then no one ever notices or talks about it. Um, I love, I'm a big puzzle solver. I love solving, you know, somewhat fairly complicated puzzles. And, and I've, I've also authored a few puzzles. And when you do that, your biggest fear as a puzzle constructor is that no one will be able to solve it. Well, then yeah. you've utterly failed. If everybody can solve it too quickly, you've also failed. So, you know, it was a little bit nerve wracking to turn the dial. I, I'm a big believer that one of the things you have to do as a writer is strike a balance between clarity and mystery because people need clarity, but they also definitely need mystery. They need to want to know. They need a chance to be curious. 
the third leg of that three-legged stool is confusion. And that's the one you want to avoid more than anything. Yeah. So as much as possible, we aim for either clarity or mystery. And with mystery, there's just the promise that eventually there will be clarity. Now, you mentioned elsewhere that that you this has got a finite end you're not looking this is not going to be the walking dead you know your 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 plan is to to stay true to the game um but also you've indicated that possibly what is part 2 in the game wouldn't be wouldn't be possible to fit into one season of um right. of, of of tv um is that is that still the case are you are you already looking ahead have you already started mapping all of that stuff out we're definitely looking ahead we're definitely mapping um we, you know, I think, look, things have gone very well. The the viewership has been extraordinary. You know, we're just, here we are just, you know, essentially two days after we aired for the first time and lots of people have been tuning in over the course of those two days and we expect that that will continue. So it certainly looks encouraging for us to keep going. I know that HBO, certainly their great hope is that we would warrant another season. Um, and in your, yes, you're absolutely right. The, the story that is encapsulated in the rest of the material that Naughty Dog has released is not achievable in a season. Um, so the question is, okay, how much more is there and how do we do it and what do we want to do? And so we're, yeah, we're definitely talking about that right now, even as I just came back from uh, a sound mix for our last episode of this season. We've still got some visual effects for the final episodes that we're, you know, finalizing now. So it's, it's, it's like, I just, I'm on the treadmill and looking at this other treadmill right next to me that I'm about to jump on. And you've started this, jug, the juggernaut will not stop now. It will not, it stop. will not stop. And you're directing after quite a sizable gap, you know, you directed in the past and then, yeah. then you took a break. Why now? And, and how, and how are your pants after the first day of that? That must've been a terrifying experience. <laughs> well, I, you're right. I did t- I, look, I, I've directed a few times before. They've always been incredibly difficult circumstances. First time I directed was a little indie film. We didn't have enough money. We didn't have enough time. I didn't have enough experience. It was a mess. Uh, the fact that anything came out at all on the other end that was coherent was a miracle. Um, the next time I directed was a similar. I was making a movie for Bob Weinstein and you know, enough said there. And then, uh, and so I had been a bit just generally put off uh, of directing. And when this came about and we needed to, I mean, you're casting directors in a sense, at some point it's sort of like, we think we want to cast you as this director. You know, I, the nice thing is I have other partners. I have Neil and I have Carolyn Strauss and I have HBO. And if enough people are saying you should do it, then, you know, I went into it with a lot of confidence because I had Ksenia Sereda, uh, our cinematographer, who is, I just think she's incredible. I mean, she's both incredibly talented and also just a wonderful person and a fantastic creative partner. So between myself and Ksenia, I felt, okay, we've got this really good basis to proceed through the day. Um, And I had this cast I could lean on. I had Pedro, I had Bella, I had Anna Torv. So I'm like working with these incredible actors. And then there was just this gen- uh, philosophy. And the philosophy was we're making, we're, we're going to attempt to make something great. And when everybody's working to make something great, you all hopefully elevate each other. We all took it quite seriously. Yeah. And 
when I needed things, uh, I got them. And I was, yes, I was oftentimes nervous and oftentimes worried. That's my nature. But I think the worry and the nerves translated fairly well into attention to detail and and execution. You're damn right they did. <laughs> it worked, worked a treat. I asked them um, people online uh, if they if they had any questions for you. I hope you don't mind if, if I put some no, those to you. go for it. Yeah. Um, this is from The Dragon Demands, saying that you've promised new forms of the infected beyond the four main phases from the first game. What kind of variants are you looking at? Um, you've kind of, and, and I guess that leans into like the tendrils versus the mm-hmm. spores and the gas masks. And I think you're right. You made a brilliant choice there, you know, having everyone put gas masks on all the time would have been chaotic um and actually they 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 look strangely beautiful as well those tendrils look really really kind of you're the you're the you're the lone wolf that's like telling everyone not to do mushrooms at the moment it's like you know it seems like everyone else in the world is like this is great this is the future lion's mane in my tea and uh this is this is this is the warning shot i hope we don't negatively impact the the mushroom industry they're fine people and they deserve your patronage um, yeah, when it, when it comes to the, the different types, I think it's safe to say that, uh, how would I put it? I don't know if I would say necessarily there's going to be an entirely brand new type as much as an interesting twist. That's as far as I'll go. <laughs> okay, great. Lovely. We love an interesting twist, clarity and mystery. Um, yeah. uh, and this is from Megan. Megan says, what fans loved so much about the game is the story. And I think, you know, lots of people talk about, oh my God, how, how has The Last of Us finally done a game uh, adaptation that works? And it's like, well, duh, the story is fucking great. You know, um, what do you love most about the story? Well, for me, Megan, I always think about relationships. So when I, people will talk about story and, and to me, story is a function of changing relationships. Even when people talk about character, I think they're really talking about relationships because we exist in relation to each other. So the thing that blew me away when I played The Last of Us for the first time in 2013 on my PlayStation 3 was the relationship between Joel and Ellie. I had never seen anything realized quite like it. I'd seen archetypes like that. I had seen, you know, parental child relationships and father-daughter, and but to see how that relationship functioned and changed and grew to me that is the beating heart of the last of us that's why it's more than you know zombies or stealth or action or shooting it's this other beautiful thing it's the reason why people tattoo this game on their skin you've got to tackle a bit of a red wedding moment uh, pretty early on next next season right have you got that blocked out in your head already no <laughs> <laughs> no i mean we, we we've talked about it a lot um i think we try, you know, and Neil's amazing this way because he's, you know, a lot of people that write source material that gets adapted, they they get a precious, um, which I understand. They can get really finicky and demand fidelity and they struggle with change. That's not the case with Neil at all. He's he's remarkably agile and flexible and generous when it comes to the adaptation process. And he's always given me like enormous space to move around and to change and adjust and reimagine, rethink, or he's also allowed me to say, no, I want to do this exactly the way you did it in the game. Um, but we try and keep our knees bent. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. ready to move a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right about anything or everything. And sometimes where that brings us is right back to where it was. For instance, 
you know, the way things turn out with Joel and his daughter and the way we depict that in the first episode, we just, you know, that at least for that specific moment, we landed right back to the way it was in the game because I just thought it was correct yeah, yeah. and didn't need to change, you know, but other things we adjust and we fiddle with. So everything's in process. Our knees are somewhat bent. We're staying flexible. I can't wait to see where you take that. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and finally, I'll leave this uh, the final question from Actual Psy. It's a great question. Uh, the infection hit in 2003. Is Paris Hilton okay? <laughs> I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that all of us watching the show were thinking the same thing. Yeah. Is Paris Hilton okay? She is either... Uh, running some sort of uh, cult compound, let's say in Florida, or uh, she is a clicker that is moving on a very strict, repeating course around a few rooms in her mansion. With a load of Von Dutch kind of stuff like attached to her via the tendrils, amazing. Unquestionably. Craig, it's been an absolute honor. I've been such a fan for such a long time. I'm so pleased I got to speak to you. Congratulations on such a triumph and can't wait to see where the next few years takes us. Thank you, sir. It was wonderful talking to you today. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at dragoncast underscore pod or email dragoncast at daftdoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for Dragoncast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. Dragoncast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel and is a Daft Doris production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.